your own way, would you just pray this with me this morning? Lord, today I look to you. Yeah, take your eyes off, your mind, all the things that are around, all the distractions, all the trouble, frustration, decisions you've got to make, challenges that are coming. Lord, today, come on in your own way, pray with me. Lord, today I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. What a great worship time we had. I want to start out this morning by asking you to read a verse with me. Uh, Now, we'll go ahead and put it on the screen. It's Philippians 4.13. And in a minute, I'd like for you to read it I'd like for you to read it out loud with me. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, if you haven't been uh, to church in a long time, or you're new to church, or maybe you're not even sure what you're doing here, (laughs) that's okay, um, because I picked a really easy verse. This is a verse that, I mean, let's face it, some of the verses just aren't easy, right? This one's an easy verse. It doesn't have any funky Old Testament Hebrew name in it. Doesn't have any concepts you're not familiar with. Very, very simple and easy. You might find it on a bumper sticker. You might find it on a bookmark. You might find this verse on a on a, a decoration that sits around somebody's house. A very, very easy verse. You can find it almost anywhere. I can I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, before we read the verse, let me just tell you a couple things about the guy that wrote it, okay? So you'll know where it came from. Uh, a guy named Paul wrote this verse who happened to write about a third of the entire New Testament. Now, the first time we see Paul in the Bible, he's not even a Christian. He's not, he's not a Christian at all. Now, he's very religious. He's a very religious guy, but he's not a Christian. It's in some ways similar to the culture we live in here in the Southeast. Culturally religious, but, but didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. He was passionate about religion. But he wasn't passionate about Jesus. And the Bible tells us how this guy named Paul met Jesus. And Jesus changed his life so much that he went from hating Christians to telling everybody they needed to be one. For the next 20 years, after he met Jesus for the next 20 years, he traveled around the Mediterranean rim planting churches and and basically telling everybody, you need to be a Christian. Now... His relationship with Christ became so intense for him that religious people became frustrated with him. I don't know if you know this or not, but religious people always hate people who have a real relationship with Jesus. They're bothered by people who have a real relationship with Jesus. And so that's what happened to Paul. a matter of fact, it got so intense, they captured him and put him in jail. And what I want you to know about this verse is, Paul didn't write this verse from a retreat in the Smoky Mountains somewhere. He didn't write this verse as he reflected upon God's beauty sitting on the beach in Panama City. He didn't write this verse sitting at home in the safety of his living room. If you think jail and prison is bad now, you should have seen it then. In some of the most unbearable conditions that humanity's ever known, Paul sits in jail and he, re- and he writes this verse. So now I want you to read it out loud with me. Are you ready? Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. All right, now, now let's read it like you mean it. You ready? I'm talking about like with some uh, 
Like some of you were dancing around your living room yesterday playing football, watching the football game, the SEC. I, I hear you. I know. Like that. You ready? One more time. Philippians 4.13. Here we go. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yes, you can. Now, I want you to hold on to that. I promise we're going to come back to it in a minute. As you're holding on to it, look inside your bulletin. Uh, everybody, take your bulletin. Look at it. If you don't have a bulletin... Our ushers are going to pass you in just a minute, and they're going to hand you one of these cards. If you've got a bulletin, take this little card that says, Are you ready to make your move? If you don't have a card, everybody get a card. The, bull- the ushers are coming now. Everybody get a card. Uh, see, I've been here 118 years. I want you to have a card. I've been here four minutes. I want you to have a card. Everybody get a card. And, and just look at it with me, because there's a couple important things on it that I want to highlight as we get ready uh, for this morning. This is basically a card that has to do with your, your own relationship with God and you making a move toward Him today. So everybody fill one out. Very, very simple. Made it as easy as we can make it. Put your name on it. Give us your email and your phone number. We're not going to blast you to death with a bunch of stuff. But we would like to encourage you uh, if you give us that opportunity. Uh, right underneath name it says, I'm a guest. If you're a guest today, as Pastor Mark said, you are our special friend today. We thank you for coming. Super big deal to us that you're here. If you'll just check that box and let us know that you're a guest, what you can do if you're a guest today, you take this card when service is over. Go, I know you already smell the chicken. How many of you smell the chicken? I can smell it. Yes, that's right. That, that, that is Italian dressing. I can smell, it's been marinated. I guarantee it. I smell it grilling through that door. I wish we had smell-proof doors, but we don't. So you're going to have to be fighting that all service. But you can smell the chicken. So after service today, we have a full menu. In your bulletin, you can see the menu. All of it's in there. We've got a little insert. All, all the stuff that's going to be available is there. It's in round numbers. We take debit. We take credit. We take cash. We've made it very easy. There's free bottled water for anybody who needs it. Just take it. All right, so we made it as easy as we can. If you'll let us know you're a guest, take this card to the food area, and today you eat free. Lunch is on us. We just want to say that we're really glad that you're here. So uh, also, after service this morning, if you'll take the card, there'll be some folks out in the foyer who can talk to you if you're ready to take one of those steps. Over in the gym, I'm going to ask everybody when service is over, if you just go take a quick tour of the gym, we have a lot of cool stuff set up in there I'd like you to at least see. And dozens and dozens and dozens of folks in our church who, who lead ministry teams and who lead life groups and who help with our uh, live streams classes that we teach, they're there, they can answer any questions you have uh, and help you take another step. So, that's what the card is. If you take a minute, fill it out, kind of keep it with you today. Uh, it'll be your, your guide uh, into what's going to happen after service. On the back is a map, so you can sort of see uh, how everything's laid out. When you go out the back doors into the service, you go that way. Everything's that way. So if you'll sort of float that way, we have bouncy games, and did I mention chicken? And we got chicken, and we got a lot of fun things to do, so we'd love for you to stay. And by the way, I want you to know that our folks that have been serving here this morning have been working so hard, they've been working so hard for you, and they've been working for a week to try to get the weather the way it is. So I want you to give them a big hand, because they put this weather on for you. Super good, yeah. Awesome. People used to say, if I came to church, the ceiling would fall on. Maybe if you come to church, the weather will be good. Never know. All kind of things can happen. So, 
behind me this morning, I'm going to ask Ty if he'll come up and help me. Behind me this morning, before you, just hold on for a second before you, before you show him. I don't want to spoil it. My, my dream toy is underneath this veil right here. Like it's a dream toy. It's a toy. You have any, you have any dreams that are toys? Anybody? Nobody likes to play? Just me? I have a dream. It's a toy. Okay. It's a Honda VTX 1800. Wait, wait. Honda VTX 1800. It has flames on the gas tank. I like flames. I, don't know. I like flames. All the flames aren't in hell. There's some good flames. It's got some flames on that thing. And, and, it, has, and it has leather saddlebags with chrome rivets. They're shiny. And, and it's got chrome all over it, and it's all shined up, and it's beautiful. And I don't, when I was a kid, I grew up, my dad always had these little, he'd buy a motorcycle, you know, 500 to 750 or whatever. And he'd always run, and I grew up watching him ride, and I thought, I always wanted to ride, but I never had a bike. I thought, man, I, if I could just have a bike and just drive off, maybe I'd just fall off the earth somewhere. You know what I mean? I'd just drive off. Wouldn't that be fun? Do you want to see the bike? Nah. No, okay, let's go. Let's see it, Ty. Let's see what you got under there. Check this bike out. I want you to see this. Oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, see? Wow. Wow. Yeah. We got chicken and a motorcycle. Incredible. Now, now I want to tell you about this bike a little bit. This bike has an engine that's as big as a V6 in a car. Now, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but it'll go zero to 60 in, like, say, oh, snap, right? <laughs> Zoom, it'll throw you off. Like a, like a bad horse. It has 150 miles an hour on the speedometer, but it will go faster than that. You know, 100, you know what 150 miles an hour is, right? That's like jail time. You understand what I'm saying? This thing will move down the highway. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This bike has more power and more potential than almost anything you've ever seen. But it already has one problem. Anybody seen it? It's already got one problem. The front tire's flat. The front tire is flat. It's got more power and it's got more potential than anything you've ever seen, but the front tire is flat, so already we got a problem. Now let's just say for a minute that you're a mechanic. That might be a huge stretch for some of you. Some of you are actually mechanics. It would be a huge stretch for me. I can't fix the box fan when it breaks. But let's just say you're a mechanic, and I come into you, and I ride this bike, and I say, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I'm going down the road, and it's bumping and shaking like this, and it won't steer good. And being an incredible mechanic, you look at me and say, well, it's the flat tire. If you'll fix the flat, that'll fix the problem. And I say, no, 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 no. I really don't think that's the problem. Like, I think if we could paint it, if we could make it purple, with yellow, oh, no, that'd be LSU, wouldn't it? We can't do that. It's the wrong season. Actually, there's no color I can pick, is it? I realize, I realize that. Silver. If we could make it silver, maybe with gold flame, something like that. I don't think that's a team that I'm aware of. Anyway, we can make it. I think if you paint it, that'll fix it. Now, if you're the mechanic, you say, what is wrong with you? Or, or maybe I say, I know what it needs. It doesn't need the tire fix. It needs a new stereo system that is thumping. Like, I want it to thump so hard when I run under red lights, they drop from the sky. Anybody know what I'm saying? 
Like, I like it. I want to feel the music. I want everybody around me to hear. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll help it. Or, or I know what it is. It's in the wrong place. This is in the state of Alabama. I'm sure if we would just relocate this bike, I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon. I'm sure if we just take it there and ride around there, I'm sure that would fix the problem. Now, you're a mechanic, so what do you say? You are crazy. None of that's going to help. You can wrongly diagnose what's wrong with this bike all you want, but it won't work the way it's supposed to until you fix that flat tire. It's got incredible potential. It's got incredible power. But it's not going to work the way it's supposed to until you fix that flat tire. We can all see the flat. It's obvious that it has a flat. Now, with that in mind, let me ask you one question this morning. Where is your flat tire? Where in your life is your flat tire? What is the one thing in your life this morning that needs to get repaired? Are you meeting your potential? Are you fulfilling your potential? Now, uh, in your thought was, maybe if your first thought was, when you first understood where I was going with that, Great! I'm so glad I'm here today and I'm so glad you're talking about this because my husband has been needing to hear something like this. If that's your first thought, we don't have to look any harder for your flat tire. I found it. Your flat tire is ignoring your own flat tire and seeing everybody else's. And that's not it. The question is, where is your flat tire? Now, too often people say, I know I have a flat tire. But I really feel like if I'd just get my hair dyed or, or if I'd get new clothes or if I'd get a tattoo, I'd feel better about myself. Or, you know, the iPhone 6 is something, S-A-G-N-Z-Y-Q, pound sign, exclamation point. The new I, iPhone 6 is coming up. If I just get the new gadget, then if I just get a bigger screen TV, you know, 60's big, but what about 80? You know, if, if I could just get that, then maybe, maybe that will make me feel better. And nothing's wrong with those things in and of themselves. But, but what happens is, is we deal with all the things on the outside and we ignore the things on the inside. We ignore the thing that's needed. We ignore the change that's needed most and none of it helps. No gadget, no external change can make up for the fact that there are people in this room this morning who have a flat tire spiritually and it needs to be changed. And nothing's going to help until you address the tire. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I need a new marriage. I need to relocate. If you have a flat tire, you can just take it over to the next garage and you're still going to have a flat tire. Because it's your flat tire. And it goes with you where you go. Now some of you may be thinking this morning, ooh, uh, yikes. I, I, I need to leave now because I have a flat tire. I know I have a flat tire. I know what the flat tire is, and there's no way it could ever change. And to you, I say, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. That's what I came to tell you today. You said it this morning yourself. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. That's why I'm excited, excited about this series we're starting this morning. The next several weeks, we're going to be talking about change. Today's a brand new series called Change. And we're going to be talking about change and how it works and how we can have it in our life. Now, I want to look at Luke 15 this morning for just a few minutes. There's a story there that 
whether you've been to church for a long time or maybe you hadn't been in a long time or ever, you've probably heard of the story. Luke 15 tells a story about uh, a dad and two sons. Uh, the story is called the prodigal son. And we're looking at this story because I, I know there are people here today who, who may say, look, I've had a flat for weeks. I've had a flat for months. I've had a flat for years. Or maybe you say, I don't have a flat tire. I have four flats, the spare's flat, and the windows are broke out. I understand. And what I want to say to you is you came to the right place. You've got to start somewhere, and, and we've got to talk about how change can happen in your life. So in this story, I want to simply point out three things that have to happen for change to happen. Three things that have to happen in order for change to happen. Here's the first one. We have to see change as necessary. We have to see change as necessary. We have to be willing to admit that the tire is flat. Every effective recovery program that I know of, somewhere in their process, has this step where you have to come to the point that you can see and admit that there is a flat tire. Never going to change a flat tire that we don't see. Never going to change a flat tire that we don't know about. I don't know anyone who's seen change in their life accidentally. And I bet you don't either. I, I remember a few years ago being young and stupid. And you, you, here's the disadvantage I have over you. You think, oh, wouldn't it be great sometimes to stand in front of people and talk like that? Yes, but I say more stupid things than you because I talk more than you. Right? You don't understand it. The law of averages catches up. So, so being a young and stupid person that talks a lot, I had a friend I hadn't seen for several years, and, and I saw him, and he had lost a lot of weight. And I said, hey, man, you look great. I, look at the way you, man, you look good. And then I said this, and he was older than I am, and I said, did you do it on purpose? And because he loves me, and because he knows I'm stupid, he looked at me and he said, he said, no, I've been real sick. <laughs> and I was still young enough that my metabolism actually worked, that you could actually lose weight sometimes on accident. But like, how many of you know that stops one day, yes? Anyone understand what I'm talking about? You like got to do that on purpose. Well, that's how, that's how change happens. This bike has more power and it has more potential than anything you can imagine, but it won't work because of the flat tire. Did you know that you were custom designed by the God of the universe and there's way more value in you than there are a hundred motorcycles? Did you know that you have a God who has made you, who has shaped you, who has formed you, and you have more potential and you have more power in you, but you'll never reach that potential until you deal with the area the, that God has put his hand on in your life and say, let's deal with this now. You'll never fulfill that potential until you do that. It's not about you becoming a better person. It's about you becoming the person God created you to be and fulfilling your potential. So Luke 15, 11, and 12 says it like this. Jesus is telling the story about this father and two sons. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, the people who heard this story for the first time would have been shocked by that statement. It doesn't hit our ears quite the same way because there's some cultural things that, that make that uh, thought a bigger impact. But basically what the son is saying is, I want my inheritance now. Well, in their culture, you never got your inheritance until your dad died. 
So what he's saying is, I want to live now like you're dead. Come on, let's hurry this process up. I don't want you, I want your money. I don't want a dad, I want an inheritance. This would have been shocking to the people who first heard it. But I want you to notice this. The son had a relationship with the father. Now, now why is that important? The son had a relationship with his father. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because the way we have a relationship, the Bible teaches, with the Father is through Jesus and only through Jesus. We sang it a few minutes ago, in Christ alone. I say that because there's a lot of talk in our... I think the American culture has become a lot more spiritual than it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. We, our our society is much more spiritual. But I think it's much more spiritually confused. And I think that's what Jesus would think if he lived here because of some of the things that Jesus said. I, I, I say this because in our culture, our culture is very spiritual. It's about finding your inner self. It's about being spiritual and discovering that you do have a spiritual part, not just a physical part, and finding the spirituality that works for you. And according to Jesus, though, no one can find the Father, no one can find God, no one can be spiritually alive, no matter how aware you are that you have a spirit, nobody can be spiritually alive except they go through Jesus to find God. That's what Jesus taught himself. Now, I want to point that out because there are people, there are, there are good, good and sincere people who will tell you If you truly believe in Jesus, if you truly follow Jesus, you'll never walk away from Him. There are people that will tell you that. Now, I don't believe that at all. I've watched people who love Jesus get discouraged, get defeated, get distracted, and walk away. They had a relationship, and they walk away. And I bet there's somebody here this morning, there was a time in your life that you had a life-giving, a fulfilling, a satisfying, a joy and peace producing relationship with God, but you don't have that today. Somewhere you walked away. And I, I think it is possible to do that. Now the other myth is, if I belong to Jesus... Once I belong to Jesus, once I follow Him, once I do my part, once I do everything right, I'll never have a flat tire again. Let me tell you what I think about that theology. How many of you know Christians with a flat tire? Yes. You can have a blowout and be a Christian. Luke 15, 13 through 17, let's go on with the story. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off. So he took the inheritance from a dad. He set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. In other words, I'm going to live like dad's dead. I'm going to live on dad's money. And I'm going to do everything my parents would never let me do because I'm on my own and I'm my own boss and nobody can tell me what to do. And and I'm going to go blow it up. And he did. And after he spent everything, everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. There are circumstances that come along in our life that we don't see coming. That boy did not see the famine coming. All he knew is he had pockets full of money and time to burn. And so he went and spent it, and he didn't know there was a famine coming. Uh, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now you have to understand, this is a Jewish boy, so for a young man, so for him to, to feed pigs. Pigs were an unclean and a dirty animal. 
So it would have been a disgusting job for a Jewish person to be working in the pig pen. And as he would go to work every day and he would feed the pigs, his stomach began to rumble and he got more hungry and he got more hungry and he looked at what they were eating and he said, the pigs are eating better than me. And so he got down in the mud and he started eating. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he wanted to eat what the pigs had, which would have been a disgusting thought for a Jew. Now look at verse 17. Here's, if you got a Bible and you can write in it, you can underline anything or circle it. I want you to circle this. This is the phrase. When he came to his senses, circle that, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. He came to his senses. He said, this may be the way things are, but this is not the way things have to stay. Things can change. He saw change as necessary. If I'm going to get out of what I'm in, something has got to change. Nothing's going to happen unless something changes. So he began to see changes necessary. Did you know that people in bad situations can't be helped until they're able to admit they're in a bad situation? I've worked with a lot of different people. And every now and then I'll run into somebody that you can't help because they don't know they're in a bad spot. And until they understand that they're in a bad spot, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. As long as there's denial, as long as there's, as long as there, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it this way, I'm going to keep going like this, there's, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing anybody can do. They're stuck. Now, now I, I want you to soak in this thought. Just because change is necessary does not mean it's easy. That is why God gives you His strength. Just because change is necessary does not mean it's easy, and that's why I need His strength in me. Because I can't defeat all this stuff by myself. And neither can you. If we, if we didn't need God, there wouldn't be one. There is a God because we need His strength working in us to see these things happen. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you can't change. You can keep inventing new and improved versions of yourself, but you can't change. But the opposite of that's also true. If Jesus is in your life, anything is possible. I know the lies. I've heard the lies. I've heard them in my own mind. I've probably even said them at some point in my life. This is the way that it is, and this is the way that it's going to be, and nobody can change it. Wrong. Christ in you makes all things possible. Everything is possible if Jesus is in your life. So, the first thought is we must see changes necessary. Here's the second one. We have to take a step in the right direction. We have to take a step in the right direction. Now, I was thinking about how, how a tire would get flat. Like there's basically three, three ways for a tire to get flat. One is you flatten it yourself. Now, I don't know why you do that. Maybe, maybe you're trying to play hooky and get out of work or get out of school. You don't want to go. Go flatten your tire, call your boss, say, I can't come, my tire's flat. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do that. That's probably not very common. Somebody else could flatten it for you, right? I, I remember when a buddy of mine, I was... Uh, uh, being a buddy, I spent a night over his house. 
And he told me about this neat trick to let air out of people's tires. And we thought it was so cool to sneak out at night and flatten all the tires on the road and then sneak back in and look out the window and watch people try to go to work the next day. That's evil. That is evil. I had no, never had a job. Why did I care about going to work? Flat their tire. It'd be fun. Look at them and laugh. That's just pure evil. See, some of you came to church and you did not need to learn that. Not something you need to learn. You already got enough bad ideas. So, so somebody could flatten the tire for you or you could have circumstances in your life that make the tire flat. There's a hole in the road, something out there, you didn't see it, you hit it, pop, it's flat. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't really matter how the tire got flat. Until we take a step in the right direction, nothing is going to happen. The younger son didn't sit in the pig pen and say, well, this is my dad's fault. He knew this was going to happen. He should have known better. He should have never given me the money. He didn't sit in the pig pen and say, you know, my mom should have talked him out of it. She, she never did have a backbone. She never did stand up to my dad. She should have said something that shouldn't let this happen to me. He could have said, you know, it's my big brother. My, my big brother was glad when I left. He, he was happy. He thinks it's going to be more for him. You know, it's really his fault. He didn't sit there in the bottom of that pig pen and look around at all the people there are to blame. He saw changes necessary, and he took a step in the right direction. Everybody in this room, I guarantee you if we had time to sit and listen, everyone in this room has had something done to them that you could not control. Everybody, if you, if you could hear all the stories, I promise you sitting in this room are stories that, that would uh, dwarf some of the worst movies you've seen. You ever heard some things that you go, that's so bizarre, that's so out there, it's got to be true. I'm telling you, there are people in this room, and I say it sadly, that have endured things that were completely out of your control. You've suffered, you've hurt, you've been wounded, you've been burned. Horrible stories. But here's what I want you to know. You cannot control what happens to you. But you can control your next step. You can't do anything about it. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't in your hands. It wasn't your control. And God doesn't hold you responsible, and you should never hold yourself responsible for those things. You can't control that, but you can determine your next step. Uh, Sometimes, uh, maybe the son was tempted to say, well, I was born that way. I was born like this. Well, of course you were born that way. You were born in a mess. So was I. We were all born. That's the whole theology of the Bible. We were born messed up. I understand that. I was born messed up. I was raised in a mess. I grew up angry, and I I grew up frustrated, and I I grew up volatile, and I grew up with rage, and I grew up driven by extreme fear. I understand it. I get it. I was born that way. You might be born that way, but if you follow Jesus, you won't be reborn that way. You have a new birth, and a new kingdom, and a new father, and a new family, and a new relationship. When you meet Jesus, anything is possible. You might have been born messed up, but you don't have to stay like that. You might have been through some messed up stuff, but you don't have to stay in it because of Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When the Bible says that He came to His senses, you know what we call that in church? We call that a God moment. When He came to His senses, what that doesn't mean is He sat down with a piece of paper and he rationalized 
the right course to take. The truth is, you and I many times don't know the right course to take unless somebody shows us. Because if we did know the right course to take, we wouldn't need God. What do we need God for? We always, we're always right. But many times you and I don't know the right course to take, so we need God. What we call, and he came to his senses in the church world, what we call that is a God moment. It's a moment where God opened his eyes so he can see. So here's the thing. If you can see, it's because God let you see. If your eyes have been opened, if you can see, if you can see what's wrong, if you can see the flat, if you can see what's going on in your life, if you can see that you need help, if you can see that you need help from somebody beyond yourself, if you can see that you need God, if you can see that, it's because God let you see it. It's because He opened your eyes. And if God opened your eyes to the change that's needed in your life, taking a step in that direction is taking a step toward God. So, so here's the last thought. We see change is necessary. We take a step in the right direction. Now, now here's the last thought. Everything starts with one step. But some of you have already taken that step. And you're stuck and you're stalled out. And now what do you do? Here's the third point. You've got to walk in the right direction. One step's not going to get it. One step's not going to find it. One, one step and you're not going to be there. Some of you, your flat tire, it might be the person you're dating. And, and, and maybe some relationships have to be severed. Maybe it's the live-in boyfriend or the live-in girlfriend that's got to go. Maybe it's abuse of drugs or abuse of alcohol or abuse of food. or Maybe you're on the edge of an affair or living in one. You might have taken a step, but you got to walk. It's not just one step. You got to keep walking the right. He'd have never found his way back home if he'd have taken one step and just stood on the outside of the pig pen and looked in and said, Home's that way. But it's a long way. You, you got to walk in the right direction. When I was praying, I felt like the Lord said to me, There's somebody in this service this morning that. You are called to, to ministry. You are called to be a pastor, a minister, a missionary, something. I don't know. You are called, and you are not walking in the right direction in that call. And so for you, walking in the right direction isn't just being a Christian. It's following God all the way. I don't know, I don't know who you are, but I, but I believe that that call is here. All of us have a flat somewhere and the flat needs to change we need to not just take one step but we need to walk in the right direction I can't promise you your circumstances are going to instantly change boy I wish I could everybody wants that I want that I'm not, I like action once I figure out what's going on uh, I'm, uh, that's the hardest part now we know what to do let's get it over it's not done yet why is it not done yet should be done with that how long have we known that? Five minutes? That should be fixed. I want instant. I want instant change. Anybody else out there? Like, I want it over. Great. Thank God. Hallelujah. Move on. Let's go. Change usually is a process. 
I've met men who mess their marriage up and then they come to a point of crisis where they realize that change is necessary and they say, man, I need to make some changes. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been doing good. I've been doing the things at home I need to do. I've been, I've been saying the right things. I've been, I've been washing my clothes. I've been picking my underwear up off the floor. You know, I stopped drinking. I, I shut the internet down. Whatever. I've made all these changes and I've been doing everything that I, that I know I need to do for my wife I've been doing that for three days, and they, she's not responding the way that they think she should. And they say, forget it! I'm out! I mean, I did, Pastor, I did what you told me, and nothing. Nothing's different. And to that I say, you've been messing your marriage up for three or four years, and you've given it three days? How about giving it three or four years on the other side? I don't, I got a better, how about just giving it a lifetime? That'd be good. Till death do we part. And that doesn't mean you're going to kill each other. Natural, natural death do we part. Let's make it right. But you have to take a step at a time. Here's the last verse, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. So the son's come back home now. He's walking the right direction. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, let's watch this. I want you to watch this. Zero in with me on this. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He's lost and he's now found. So they begin to celebrate. I want to show you something there. That boy had spent everything he owned and probably lived in the same clothes as he slopped the pigs every day. These dirty, nasty, broken down, filthy clothes. And he had no ability to change them whatsoever. Watch. When he went home and he got in right relationship with the father, the first thing the father said was I'll make the change for you that you can't make for yourself. Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Bring the fatted calf. I'll fix what you cannot fix. Can I tell you? You might have a flat today, but there's a God that can change it. God did not intend this for you. That's not His intention. You have more power and potential inside your life than you can imagine. But you gotta let the you gotta let the Father change what only the Father can change. Only He can do. If you can see, it's because He let you see. If you can see, it's because He loves you. And He's calling you and He wants to help you. I cannot tell you what the journey is gonna look like this morning. But I can tell you what the end's going to be. The end's going to be more joy and more peace and more freedom and more celebration than you can possibly imagine. That's what the end of the journey's going to hold. I don't know what the road is. Some of you, your first step toward change this morning is to pray. And can I tell you a little secret? The first step's always the hardest. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. The first step is always the hardest. The first step's always the biggest. The 
first step's always the one that you say, come on, is this really going to work? I've tried something like this before. I need God in my life. I need help. I got a flat. I got four flats. I got stuff going on that you don't know anything about. But I can tell you the first step might be the hardest, but it's the best. And nothing else will happen until that step's taken. In just a minute, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And then I'm going to ask you to come and pray with one of the prayer team. And you may say, but, but, but I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. I, I, what will people think? I don't know what people will think. I don't know what people think. I have no idea. If I could figure out what people would think, I'd rule the whole world by now. I don't know what people are going to think. The question is not what somebody's going to think. The question is not what's going to happen. The question is what's going to happen if you do nothing. That's the question. Then what's going to happen? You may say, look, I, I, got, I got secrets. If I confess this, if I bring this up, it's going to cause problems. Can I tell you, keeping it secret are going to cause bigger ones? Look at Ashley Madison. You have pastors in our nation who've committed suicide. You don't think that's a bigger problem? That's a bigger problem. Now is not the time in life to bury and to hide and to back up. Now's the time to say, God, I'll take one step and I'll come toward you. And can I tell you something? Here's the great news. You might need to walk in the right direction, but you only got to take one step at a time. God never asks you to take 100 steps. He don't ask you to run. He didn't ask you to sprint. He didn't ask you to do a marathon. All He asks you is to take one step. And that step will change your life. It will fix your flat. And it will give you the power to fulfill the potential that God's put in you. And it will give you the power to take the other steps. You'll see. The second step's easier, I promise. It's always easier. And the devil will, and that's why he fights so hard on the first step. Because if he can get you to stop there, then he knows the second one will never exist. But I promise you, the second step's a lot easier. Every eye closed this morning. If you're here today, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to ask you if you just say, I've got a flat and I need it fixed. I I need to be in right, I want a real relationship with God. I'm tired of phony, I'm tired of fooling around. Maybe I hadn't been to church in a long time. Maybe I used to have, I don't know. But you today, for whatever reason, you say, I want a real relationship with Jesus. Would you lift your hand and say, man, I need prayer today. I need a real, I see your hand, yeah. Yeah, I see your hand, yes, yeah. Yeah, you put it right back down, I see your hand. Come on, I need a real relationship with Jesus. Come on in the room. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. I need a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, I have a flat tire and I need God to help me. I need God to help me bring change. I need His strength today. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me. I've got a flat. I'm dealing with it. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, just lift it up. Put it back down. I see your hands. Yeah, both. Two, three, four, five. Yeah. Somebody else. Somebody else. I got a flat. I got a flat somewhere. And man, I need God to help me. God, I see your hand. Yeah, thank you. Somebody else, I got a flat. I need God to help me change it. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask those of you that lifted your hand to come for prayer. And then I, I want a minute with everybody else to talk to you with your eyes closed. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to come on now and let our prayer team minister to you. I want you to, pray, I want you to come on now.
Come on now. Come on now. Come right now. Take that step. Take that step. Take that step. Take that step. Come on. Take that step. Today's a new day. Thank God. Today's a new day. Change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming. Take that step toward God. Take that step toward God. Now here's what I'm, I'm going to let you out in just a minute. But here's what I want to do. Every eye closed. If you say to me this morning, I want to pray, but, I, but, I, but I'm kind of, I'm here. Here I am. Here I am. Every eye closed. Would you just say a prayer for me where I'm at? I need God and I need change. And for whatever reason, I wasn't ready to come. After service, the prayer team's going to stay. You can come in if you want to. But I don't want to miss the opportunity to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand and let me know you're in the room? And I'll pray with you right where you are. I see your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Yes, sir. I see your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Right where you are. I need change. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on. I need change. I need change in my life today. And I need God. I need God. I need Him. I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to give you a couple instructions. And then we're going to go, okay? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every hand lifted in this room. I thank you that eyes have been opened. I can't see unless you let me see. And every hand lifted means that you have opened eyes. And I thank you for it. It's by your grace that you let us see painful things. It's by your grace that you let us see those hurtful things so that you might change. And so Lord, I pray for every hand lifted today that you would minister change, you would minister strength, you would minister life. God, I pray that you would fill hearts and minds today. In the name of Jesus. If you're out there and you didn't come, but you want to have a real relationship with Jesus, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I invite you to forgive me. I ask you to wash my sin away, to clean me. I ask you to make me a new person. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to put me in right relationship with the Father. Thank you for changing me. Give me the strength to live for you now. To take the first step and to walk the right direction. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Won't everybody look at me just for a minute? got this card I've asked you to fill out. Here's the deal. If you pray to receive Christ, would you just check that box and let us know? Maybe maybe you're like the person I said who's already taken the first step, but it's time to walk the right direction, and there's some other steps you need to take. We've got some on here. Maybe it's time for water baptism. Maybe it's time for you to find out more about a church and find a church family. Check that box. Go to first step. Pastor Mark talked about it. Maybe it's time for you to start giving. It's time for you to put God first in every area of your life. Check that box. Maybe it's time for you to grow in your faith. We have four classes we do starting October, the first thing of October, called Live Streams that are just for you. They'll help you with that. Maybe it's time to serve. Maybe it's time to build relationships and find a life group. Here's what I want you to do. Check that box. In the foyer, you can see on the back, four of those steps are right there. I want to ask everybody as you leave today, go to the gym.
you're a leader, I want to dismiss you to already go. But all of our 36 life group leaders, ministry team leaders, life stream folks are all in the gym. So if you do me a big favor, here's the thing. Those people are lonely and they're sad and they need for you to go encourage them. So they've been working hard. They got up early this morning. If you just go through the line, maybe you're already in a group. Would you just go through the line and high five them, high five them, and say, hey, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here. Thanks for setting up. When I let you go in just a minute, if you go to the gym and just walk around, at least high five everybody, make them feel like you're glad they're there. And here's the last thing. On your way out today, because we just want this sermon to be relevant, we flattened everybody's tire just so you would know that this is a relevant issue for you. Hey, we're so glad you came today. You can be dismissed. If you'd head to the gym now or if you want to stay in.